ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय Bhagavad Gita as it is, chapter 7, text 15, translation and commentary by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Namang dushkujino murha prapadyante naradhamaha mayaya pahrita jnana asurang bhavamashritaha Lord Krishna says, those miscreants who are grossly foolish, who are lowest among mankind, whose knowledge is stolen by illusion and who partake of the atheistic nature of demons, do not surrender unto me. Srila Prabhupada's purport. It is said in Bhagavad Gita that simply by surrendering oneself unto the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality, Krishna, one can surmount the stringent laws of material nature. This is stated in the verse previous to this. This divine energy of mind consisting of the three modes of material nature is difficult to overcome, but those who have surrendered unto me can easily cross beyond it. At this point a question arises. How is it that educated philosophers, scientists, businessmen, administrators and all the leaders of ordinary men do not surrender surrender to the lotus feet of Sri Krishna, the all-powerful personality of Godhead. That's an important question, isn't it? There are so many intelligent people. Microsoft and other companies in Seattle are pulling intelligent people from all over the world to come and work for them. So many intelligent people. But they don't surrender to Krishna. If they are very intelligent, you'd think they'd surrender to Krishna. Why don't they? This is the question. Mukti, or liberation from the laws of material nature, is sought by the leaders of mankind in different ways and with great plans and perseverance for a great many years and births. So, here Prabhupada is saying that Mukti is sought after by the leaders of mankind Mukti, we generally understand to mean uh, the state of spiritual liberation by which one no longer has birth and death. But here Prabhupada defines, or he gives another angle on the word mukti, to be free from the effects of the laws of nature. So this is actually what scientists are trying to do in many ways. Just like air conditioning to make the room more cool and heating to make it more warm in the winter and... uh, you can go in shopping malls where there's it's all covered so you don't get wet when it's raining. So in this and the various drugs to offset the effects of psychological disturbances and in this way they're trying to overcome the to be free from the influence of the laws of nature. And they're trying to do this over a great many years and over a great many births. But Srila Prabhupada writes, but if that liberation is possible by simply surrendering unto the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. 
then why don't these intelligent and hard-working leaders adopt this simple method? It's, a, it's an important question, isn't it? That people are trying to get free from the miseries of material life by various means, by inventing pills and various technological developments. And if it's actually a fact that simply by surrendering to Krishna that we get free from all miseries eternally, then why don't these intelligent people do it? It, w- it would suggest that maybe what Krishna is saying isn't true. Krishna says, simply by surrendering to me, one can be freed from all the effects of material life. But we see that there are so many intelligent people in the world who don't do this, so this would suggest that Krishna's wrong, because you would think that if they're intelligent, they should understand this, and then they do it. But they don't do it. So, what's going on here? Is Krishna wrong, or what's, what's the catch? Well, Prabhupada explains. The, quest, the Gita answers this question very frankly. Those really learned leaders of society, like Brahma, Shiva, Kapila, the Kumaras, Manu, Vyasa, Devala, Asit, Janak, Prahalad, Bali, and later on Madhvacharya, Ramanujacharya, Sri Chaitanya and many others who are faithful philosophers, politicians, educators, scientists, etc., surrender to the lotus feet of the Supreme Person, the all-powerful authority. Those who are not actually philosophers, scientists, educators, administrators, etc., but who pose themselves as such for material gain, do not accept the plan or path of the Supreme Lord. They have no idea of God. They simply manufacture their own worldly plans and consequently complicate the problems of material existence in their vain attempts to solve them. This purpose is so wonderful. In, in just a few words, Prabhupada summarizes the whole material situation and shows how foolish and demoniac these so-called welfare workers or benefactors of human society are. The persons who... Uh, consider themselves to be and who are praised as the benefactors of human society are actually the worst enemies of human society and even of their own selves. Because they think, we're, we're helping people. But they're not helping them. They're helping them to go to hell, that's all. Because they have no information of God. Even they may talk of God, but they don't know who He is. They presume that, that the purpose of life is sense gratification and if, if if there's God, then he should help us in our sense gratification. But they don't understand that we can only begin to understand him when we give up all plans for sense gratification and simply listen to what he has to say. Rather, we think that God, we're de- we are scientists, we're, the sci- we're defining everything, and we shall also, defi- so we've defined God. This is our definition of God, and if God doesn't fit that definition, then we don't believe in him. So in this, it's it's actually a demoniac attitude that we shall we shall de- we shall according to our own understanding, based on actually ignorance, we shall define what God should be like. And if He doesn't fit that description, then we don't accept it. But we are to be defined by Him, not that He is to be defined by us. They simply manufacture their own worldly plans and consequently complicate problems of material existence in their vain attempts to solve them. Isn't that not a perfect description of modern society? 
in just a few words. They, they have their own plans, not based on Krishna's plans. They manufacture the motor car to solve the problem. Of, then you can go from one place quicker to another. But previously, people, they would go to work, which would mean they would walk from their home in their village to the field. Or they would work at home like a potter. Or they would go to their shop, which is just close by, just by walking. But now you don't save any time. You get stuck in a traffic jam and you spend two hours and you have to pay for it. Or you have to go to work to pay to, to pay the payments on the car so that you can pay for the car to go to work. <laughs> and this, and we're, be, but, but, the car has a first class air conditioning in it. So you can, you can sit in the traffic jam and the, of the other vehicles and your own vehicle's car will be homogenized so you won't notice it so much. And you can listen to some music as you sit in your traffic jam for two hours and thinking, this is very advanced. This is much better than previously people were ignorant. They used to have to walk to work and now we're going by car. We're thinking this is so advanced. They're complicating the problems of material existence in their vain attempts to solve them. Because material energy nature is so powerful, it can resist the unauthorized plans of the atheists and baffle the knowledge of planning commissions. We have a planning commission. We, we shall plan how the country will progress. We have a new economic plan. But they didn't plan for Hurricane Katrina. But still it came. It was outside their plan. Katrina, Rita, who's next? They have to think of different girls' names. They always give girls' names. <laughs> so, what is next? What is the next? Then they have to adjust. Oh, we do. So Hurricane Katrina, well, that was just how many thousands of billions of dollars worth of damage? Huh? Hundred billion. Hmm. So that isn't in their plan. Well, my dear American citizens and Indian citizens who are now proud inhabitants of the United States of America, you have to pay for it. <laughs> God bless America. The atheistic plan makers are described herein by the word dushkritinaha or miscreants. Kriti means one who has performed meritorious work. The atheistic plan maker is sometimes very intelligent and meritorious also because any gigantic plan, good or bad, must take intelligence to execute. But because the atheist's brain is improperly utilized in opposing the plan of the Supreme Lord, the atheistic plan maker is called Dushkriti, which indicates that his intelligence and efforts are misdirected. So, I suppose in this town, among a, a fairly large section of the population, intelligence is rated highly. If someone's intelligent, they have a good degree or they so that's that's highly rated if someone is very intelligent. However, here Srila Prabhupada is pointing out 
in line with what Krishna is stating here in Bhagavad Gita, that intelligence that is misdirected is not actually intelligent at all. Just like, for, in, for instance, um, where you're driving a car full speed towards a big, thick brick wall, which is going to smash the car and you too. But you're trying to intelligently adjust the seat so that you have a more comfortable ride. And, and you're thinking, you're planning how to design a better car with better suspension so you can have a more comfortable car. But meanwhile, so it may be, it may be very intelligent, but in the meantime you smash into the brick wall. So this is misuse of intelligence. An intelligent person would think, well, let's break and not drive into the brick wall. But a less intelligent person thinks, that, well, let's be comfortable. It's inevitable. We can't avoid. People say that, well, you have to die. When the materialistic person thinks of death, he thinks, life is short, let us enjoy while we can. Eat, drink, sleep, be merry and enjoy, for tomorrow we shall all be dead. But an intelligent person takes advice from Bhagavad Gita that life does not begin at birth and does not end at death. And therefore we should utilize this life to act in such a way that we don't have to take birth again. That is actual use of intelligence. And if we become intelligent to become a PhD or a, a Microsoft Engineer, what do they call them? Research, research engineer. So th that requires intelligence, but that is not the proper use of intelligence. Of course, most people have families to support, and so something should we, something should be done. For we shouldn't think that this is the this is the ultimate use of intelligence. The as the most intelligent person of this era is Einstein. But where is he now? Who is to say? Somewhere in this material world. He wasn't liberated. He, he was very intelligent and he had a lot of realizations about material energy but which are on a very high level but he had no realization of the spiritual energy except he had some inkling that there is such a thing. But actual information, nothing. And actually, even Einstein's brain wouldn't have helped him in understanding the spiritual energy because the spiritual energy is not understood by material intelligence. The spiritual energy, that means Krishna and his energies, they are understood by the blessings of Krishna, but not by any amount of material intelligence. Even if someone is a thousand times more intelligent than Einstein, that cannot help them even in the slightest to begin to understand Krishna. Because Brahma is at least a million times more intelligent than Einstein and he couldn't begin to understand Krishna. Brahma, he said that, uh, what is that? Atapite deva padambuja. No, before that, what is that verse? That, Vaibhavam tavagocharaha. That, that not by any uh, effort of the mind, intelligence or senses 
that jananta eva jananta king bahuktyana me prabhu manasa look it up I'm a million times less intelligent than Einstein so I always forget the words manasang vachasa vacha vaibhavang tava gocharaha that others may say that the, I, I, I know Krishna I, I understand Krishna let them say that Brahma as far as I'm concerned as far as I'm concerned, each one of my heads is more more intelligent than Einstein. I have four of them. And with all of that intelligence, uh, I don't think I can understand anything about the glories of Krishna. He's, he's beyond the understanding of the material intelligence. Therefore, atapite deva padam bujadvayam Therefore, Brahma concludes that hmm, one cannot understand Krishna by material intelligence, but even huge amounts of material intelligence. If all the if all the greatly intelligent person of the world come together and have an interfaith conference, they, they, all of them together cannot begin to understand Krishna by interfaith conferences or any. But if one gets even the slight mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one can begin to understand Him. Otherwise, by any other method, it's not possible even in millions of lifetimes. So how to get that mercy? Atashri Krishna Namadi Nabhavet Grahim Indriyai Sevon Mukhe Hi Jivado Swayameva Spuratiyada Krishna's name, form, qualities, pastimes, they are, Krishna kindly reveals them to persons who are inclined to serve Him. And that is the basic difference between a devotee and a demon. In this verse, the demons are described. Dushkriti means persons who are materially successful, but who, by their material success, think that, I don't need any God. I'm successful. Religion is a crutch, they say. That you're... you're, you're you're materially unsuccessful, therefore you have to believe in God. But I'm successful, so what do I need to believe in God for? That's only to help. You're praying to God because you don't have the ability on your own to do anything. But I'm not like that. I'm, I can look after myself. I'm strong. I'm powerful. I'm, inte- I'm intelligent. I'm happy. Ishvara hamaham bhogi siddho ham balavan suki. I'm in control here. I'm on top of things. I'm enjoying myself. I'm everything I do is okay. I I have enough power. I'm happy. This is the demoniac attitude. Such a person can never understand Krishna. He can build big he can build big buildings. He can do microbiological research and so many uh, scientific developments as they call it. But he cannot advance even an inch along the path of understanding Krishna, which is actually the only intelligent thing to do, the only thing in his real self-interest, because he's so damn puffed up and thinks, I'm so great, 
not considering, well, this was uh, at least maybe one quality of Einstein. <laughs> he, under, he had some inkling into the insignificance of man. Space-time worm. <laughs> our, our body is present within a certain space, within the, a very tiny space within the universe. So, and, and a very, and in a blip of time, and that, that's how we can define the situation of the, of our present body. It's in a particular tiny spot of space and a tiny spot of time. So we can be defined as such. So, this is the basic difference between a devotee, he understands how insignificant I am, and the non-devotee thinks how significant I am, how important I am. The devotee understands that Krishna is significant. And Krishna is so kind that even though he is so great, he allows us to come close to him. So that is Krishna's great mercy. But the non-devotee rejects that mercy. He thinks, I don't need it, I don't want it. He cannot advance an inch towards Krishna because he has absolutely no desire to do so whatsoever. And even though he may superficially believe in God, but his so-called belief in God is just another manifestation of his atheism. He thinks, well, I believe in God. So that means, I believe in God. So that means there's God. I said so. Dear God, I'm, I'm, I hereby authorize you to exist. I, I, I give you a certificate. I believe in you. You should be grateful. But they're not interested to understand the science of God given in Shastra. And they think that this God is their, their business partner. He's a, I'm the junior partner. He's the senior partner, but you know, I'll get ahead also. I'm working on it. Increasing my sense gratification with, by the grace of God. So in the Gita it is clearly mentioned that material energy works this Prabhupada's purport. In the Gita, going back to it, in the Gita it is clearly mentioned that material energy works fully under the direction of the Supreme Lord. It has no independent authority. It works as the shadow moves in accordance with the movements of the object, but still, who knows what, here Prabhupada says, material energy works just as a shadow moves in accordance with the movements of the object. Who knows where this is taken from? Brahma Samhita, you know that? Who can say? Ah, say it. Chayeva. Very good, thank you. So, cha, chaya, means like a shadow, which here Prabhupada is giving, moves. The example is given, the shadow moves not independently, but in accordance with the object which it reflects. But still, material energy is very powerful, as Krishna said in the previous verse, daivihi esha, gunamai, mamamaya durateya, 
And the atheist, due to his godless temperament, cannot know how it works. Now, this is a very important statement. Go tell all the scientists. They're trying to study how how material nature works. They can never understand. They're in pursuit of the one theory of everything. They want to describe, they want to sum up the whole material situation in one mathematical formula. They don't know it's not a mathematical formula. The formula is Mayadhakshena Prakriti, Suyate Sacharacharam, Hetuna Anena Kontaya, Jagad Viparivartite. Who can say the translation of this? Mayadhakshena Prakriti. under my direction. Suyate Sacharacharam. This material nature with its moving and non moving objects. So, this, the all material and causes and effects, they all originate in Krishna, who is Sarva Karana Karanam. Cause of all things. Krishna is the cause of all causes. So, the endeavor of the scientist to understand how material nature is working is doomed to be insufficient. They can never understand because they can never accept that Krishna is in control. So they cannot understand properly. It's like studying the shadow and trying to understand how the shadow works. How can you understand the shadow without understanding the object that it reflects? So it's doomed to failure. But still they're very proud. Oh, we've understood so many things. But the the substance they've missed and they're just studying the shadow. (laughs) <laughs> hmm? Yeah, they say the shadow is all in all. We have so much information about the shadow, but that you don't understand is that's not the important thing. The atheist, due to his, uh, nor can he know the plan of the supreme Lord, under illusion and the modes of passion and ignorance, all his plans are baffled as in the case of Hiranyakashipu and Ravana, whose plans were smashed to dust, although they were both materially learned as scientists, philosophers, administrators and educators. These Dushkritinas or miscreants are of four different patterns, as outlined below. So Hiranyakashipu and Ravana were actually very respectable people. I mean... They were looked up to by other leaders of society as highly materially accomplished. They were men who had their goal in mind and they worked towards it single-mindedly and they achieved it. They were great successes. And they were the the leaders of human society. They had uh, brought about a revolution in human society that no longer were people uh, the, just like Hiranyakashipu stopped the uh, sacrifices of the Brahmanas, so no longer were people required to donate to the Brahmanas. He had freed the people from the vice of having to respect the Brahmanas. And Ravana had made a golden kingdom, golden Lanka, in which everyone could live. They were highly respected as learned Vedic scholars, men who had made a difference to human society. They had shown 
the ability of the uh, living being. They had demonstrated how it's not necessary to believe in God. It's all mythology. And you can, they had proved that by your own strength, you can get ahead and there's no need to believe in God. They were highly respected for this. However, as we know, uh, their defiance of God ended in the case of Hiranyakashipu uh, with having his bowels mercifully ripped out by God and with Ravana by having his whole kingdom of which he was so much proud vanquished one by one his family members, his sons and brothers who he considered invincible vanquished and he himself uh, humiliated being defeated by an army of monkeys and shot in the heart by Lord Ram, who he considered a mere man. So as Prabhupada said here, their plans were smashed to dust. And we think that all these little demons, they're going, they're going to go on marching forever. Four kinds of duskritinas or miscreants. Number one, the mudhas are those who are grossly foolish like hard-working beasts of burden. They want to enjoy the fruits of their labor by themselves and so do not want to part with them for the supreme. The typical example of the beast of burden is the ass. This humble beast is made to work very hard by his master. The ass is very humble. Why is he humble? Actually, the ass is very puffed up. But they appear to be, they mean, humble means they carry a heavy weight. Why do they carry a heavy weight? Because they're beaten by the master. If you don't, so this kind of humility, groveling humility. Please give me a job. I have a PhD. Please give me a job. <laughs> this humility is humility of an ass, self-serving humility. The ass does not really know for whom he works so hard day and night. He remains satisfied in filling his stomach with a bundle of grass, sleeping for a while under fear of being beaten by his master and satisfying his sex appetite at the risk of being repeatedly kicked by the opposite party. The ass sings poetry. You've heard ass poetry? Have you heard? Not in Seattle. Maybe in the zoo or something. He starts out very loud. Then he says, no one's listening. No one, then he becomes quiet. <laughs> Makes a big noise. And then just becomes very quiet. So he sings poetry and philosophy. Sometimes. But this brain sound only disturbs others. This is the position of the foolish, fruitive worker who does not know for whom he should work. He does not know that karma action is meant for yagya, sacrifice. Now this appears to be very harsh. Prabhupada is comparing materialistic philosophers to asses who make a big noise. Now this sounds, this is, this sounds highly dogmatic on the behalf, on, on the part of Srila Prabhupada, doesn't it? Nowadays we often hear people say, 
don't be judgmental. It's considered to be a social crime to judge others and to say this is wrong. We should just accept everyone as they are. But Krishna doesn't say that. Sometimes Prabhupada say that Prabhupada would say that oh people are criticizing me for speaking so strongly. I remember especially when I was in Malaysia. We used to distribute a lot of books there. And among the actually the the Chinese people took more, but as a matter of piety, because they thought these are these are monks. They want they're not interested much in the subject, but they're, they're monks. Give them a donation and give them a book. Although some of them take up interest. But, but Indian people they're mostly Sri Lankan Tamils and some few Malayalis and a few Punjabis and this and that. So they would mostly take books out of what you could say Hindu piety and they would start to read them. And many times, remembering especially in Malaysia, people, you'd come again because it's a small country and they'd say that, why does your spiritual master always use these words like rascal, fool, animal, dogs and cats, asses, demons, nonsense, they would complain. Some, would, some people would feel disturbed and others would simply, they couldn't understand because you see sadhus are supposed to be very nice. And why this heavy condemnation? So Srila Prabhupada in one conversation addressed this. He said that actually I am not saying this. Krishna says this. Krishna says, Namang dushkirjino murha prapadyante naradhamaha who knows the translation of this verse? That's the verse we're reading today. Who knows this one? Mm. Fools and rascals do not surrender unto me. Murha. And here Prabhupada is giving an elaborate description in the purport. It's one of the longest purports in the Bhagavad Gita as it is. Prabhupada, he said, this is a very important verse. So generally we like to hear about Krishna playing his flute in Vrindavan and attracting the gopis. And that's very nice, isn't it? You like to hear about that? I hope so. We should like to hear about how beautiful is Krishna, how he's dressed in a nice yellow cloth, how Mother Yashoda is fitting. It's very nice to hear. But we cannot actually appreciate that if we also subscribe to the misunderstanding of murhas, naradhamas, maya aparitagyanas, and asuras, asuram bhavamashritaha. So actual appreciation will come when we accept that Krishna, who is so sweetly playing on his flute and calling the gopis, also says, namang duskritino murha papadyante naradhamaha. You are a Maya Aparitagyana. Shut up. <laughs> so he may think, why is Krishna so sweet and then so sour? But this is also very sweet. We shouldn't think that Bhagavad Gita isn't sweet. It may appear very sour to us because we are asses, 
fools, rascal, demons, nonsense, etc. But those who are actually appreciating the sweetness of Krishna Kanan this is this is also very sweet. This is Krishna's mercy. It's not that Krishna hates the murhas, naradhamas, etc. But out of his great mercy upon them, Krishna reveals what is their actual position. Just like there's one lecture Prabhupada was giving. I can't remember exactly verbatim, but something like this. Prabhupada finished off one essay in which he said that the whole human civilization is being misdirected by these murhas. Although they think they are very intelligent, they are actually murhas. And these murhas, they are misleading the whole human society. So you should go among these murhas and tell them very straightforwardly and very clearly, you are all murhas. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was the end of the lecture. <laughs> You're finding that one? <laughs> you are all murhas. That's the end of the lecture. You can do a string search. If you want. It comes up five times. You are all murhas. <laughs> In five lectures, Prabhupada says that. <laughs> if we say directly that you are all murhas, maya, aparita, jnana, and dushkritana, because they will be angry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's the answer. Anyway. Actually, you're... Yeah. It's Prabhupada. We'll just give a little quote. They are going on. Ah. The rascal will not... Sur- they are making research. The rascal will not surrender. Ask the man who is making sound. Then the knowledge is perfect. But he'll make research. Where from the sound is come? This is rascaldom. And one man suge- is suggesting, it is, the sound may be like this. The sound may be due to this. They are going on researching. But I say, you rascal, why are you contemplating like this? I made this sound like this. He makes sound with his cane. That's all. So the knowledge they'll not take. Murha. Therefore they are, nabijanati, mamebya paramabhyayam. So if we call them mudhas, what is the wrong? They become angry. But if we call them all these rascals, mudhas, what is the wrong? They say, oh, you are using very strong language. You are causing, calling us all mudhas. But actually you are all mudhas because you do not know Krishna. So that is the fact. Prabhupada said, it's not, it's not me. It's not, I'm, I'm, it's not me calling, but I, it's simply I, I am a servant of Krishna. It's my duty to speak what Krishna speaks. And Krishna is very kindly informing that, actually not saying that you are mudhas, there's a saying in English, if the shoe fits, wear it. So if we say that people do not surrender to Krishna, they're all mudhas. And if people become angry, why should they become angry? If we say that uh, everyone who uh, steals is a rascal, who will become angry? The thief. Those who are not thieves, they won't become angry. So those who don't surrender to Krishna, they become upset by hearing these descriptions because they are rascal. The shoe fits. It's their size. <laughs> but they say, don't be judgmental. This is, this is part of modern American culture or Western culture, the idea that we should not be judgmental. We should just accept everyone as they are. Well, Krishna, he also uh, accepts others as they are, but means, but he he understands what they are. <laughs> we accept, yes, you are a mudha, you are a naradhama, 
you are Maya Pratagyana and you are Asurang Bhavamashrita. But out of kindness, Krishna does not simply accept as they are, but say, to accept you as you are, first of all, you should know who you are. You don't know who you are. Actually, Krishna's kindness in saying Muha, Naradhama, rascal, fool, dog, cat, ass, nonsense, fool number one, etc., is not to insult, but just to wake up. People think, well, that's not very nice. Why is he calling me like that? Because we're not meant to be like that. We are not. Actually, no one is Murha and Naratama. Everyone is Krishna Das. Everyone is eternal servant and eternal servant of Krishna, full of bliss and knowledge. But because we have adopted the attitude of defiance of Krishna, we have all become fools, rascals, demons, nonsense, etc., so this is uh, the mercy to wake people up. And why should we accept you as you are? Why be like that? Why why reject Krishna and suffer? Why not wake up to the reality that we are servants of Krishna? We are meant to serve Krishna. Our happiness can actually be happy not by being fools, rascals, demons, etc., but by actually surrendering to Krishna. So that is Krishna's mercy that he says this. Now this idea, don't be, no one should be judgmental, that means it's more or less like saying, that, you know, I'm alright as I am. I don't need, or do, in America there's a, there's a very, um, there's this word, proselytizing. Don't proselytize. Don't try and convert me. That Why should you try to convert? I'm okay as I am that uh, I don't need anyone to tell me how to live. I know what I'm doing, I'm all right, but you're not all right. Just see what is the actual fact. We all have to die. We don't know what happens after death. People say, well, what happens after death? We know what happens after death. Everything's finished. Good. And they say the evidence of that is because no one ever came back to say what happened afterwards. It's a very poor argument. They don't know. And either if they say no one came back, actually so many people came back, but uh, but if you don't know what happens after death, that doesn't mean that that automatically nothing happens. Everything's finished. It's a very shallow and weak argument. But actually, people they're not interested in philosophy. People in the modern age they're interested in uh, gross sense gratification. This gross sense gratification is promoted in society to compromise or, or to vanquish all pe- people's natural philosophical inquiry and whatever principles people may have are completely destroyed by promoting this gross sense gratification. Just like this, uh, just to give a very gross example, this pornography is a huge business all over the world. And it's, it's actually... Uh, I mean, anyone who has any slightly finer sentiments can understand it's extremely gross and low class and it, it's degrading It's to mostly women who are posing in the pictures and it's degrading to the men who see it. And uh, there's so much rape and uh, crime against women and but they never think to stop the pornography. Why is that? Well, one thing, it's a big business and uh, another thing that you you can if people are in this lusty consciousness then you can sell more things every uh, the whole society is going on by selling more and more products 
Just as an example, I also always give Pepsi-Cola or Coca-Cola. No one would ever buy it if it wasn't advertised. It's only by advert because you think that you'll be, if you take it, you'll be jumping around with all the young men and women in the advertisement. Who'd, but they don't add, you drink the Pepsi and you're looking, where are they? They don't come. <laughs> but it's advertised that, that you'll, you'll become like that. So they have to keep this consciousness, keep people in, in very low consciousness, and then they can fool them by selling people all kind, millions of things that they don't actually need which are, have become necessities in modern life. And if people, and they say to live simply is primitive, although actually to live very simply, in Vedic understanding, that's very advanced. If one can live without having, with, without having desires for so many things, that's considered very advanced, that, you, that one is advanced in consciousness. You don't need so many things. You can live very simply and cultivate higher consciousness. But they have no concept of higher consciousness. They're deliberately promoting lower consciousness. This is the demoniac society in which they're deliberately promoting lower consciousness. It, it, it should be obvious that so, ma- so many sexual crimes and so much sexual perversion, which is just so common in the modern age. I mean, homosexuality a hundred years ago was almost universally understood to be sexually perverse, even 50 years ago. But nowadays, if you say that, you, you can be put in prison for that. It's considered normal because, uh, and then what to speak of child abuse, rape of children by their own parents, and so many. I mean, you may not like to do, we don't like to discuss these things, but these are the realities of life in the modern world. Maybe not in your home. Maybe not in this generation. Maybe in the next generation. Maybe coming. Because it's very difficult to keep out the demoniac influence of the modern age by which the enemy of human society, the enemy of every human being, as Lord Krishna describes in Bhagavad Gita, the uh, lust is the enemy of the conditioned soul. That's being promoted more and more and more and naturally people, that's one of the major reasons of psychological disturbance. (laughs) That people, their, their desires their lusty desires are promoted more and more, and therefore they become more bestial than the animals. Because the animals, they uh, they engage in sex without any consideration of time, place. Well, even some animals they don't like to do in public. The dog does in public. But uh, they don't have homosexuals. They don't rape their own children. And they have a time, certain time, whereas human being is ready 24, a human being is 24 hours a day. And they, they become addicted to this. So it's, it's, it's some, actually, I often think that when Prabhupada, he refers to this, uh, demoniac society of people as being animals, people become upset, but actually that's, for them, it's not an insult, it's a praise. Because they're lower than animals. The animals, the animals are not so degraded. So to call them an animal is just, you know, it's actually like a, it's, an, it's a, it's praise for them. Sub-animal. As the Prophet said that this, this modern civilization, it's, it's more 
degraded than the most degraded animals. Killing their own children, it's considered normal to kill children. They make a big fuss if someone murders a child that comes out of the womb, but they, they murder before it comes out of the womb. They don't even have the chance to come out. It's quite normal, considered normal. At least in America there's some movement against it. In India, not at all. No one in India cares at all. Even though in Shastra, the, uh, the, it's, that's described as being very sinful. But no one in India cares. It's very good, controlling the population. And so many young girls, just like in Gujarat, now it's coming up the, uh, it's time for the, for the, uh, Garba dancing. And then after that, the, the, the uh, abortion clinics, they have very good business. Because the idea is that you shouldn't have a child before marriage. It's not that they're not having sex before marriage, but they're not having children. And there's so many bogus ideas in the modern society. And in India, it's it's illegal to marry before age 18 now, theoretically. But there are so many abortions of girls before that age. And uh, in America, it's considered quite normal. For they don't bother with abortions a lot of the time. They just have children, age 13, girls, age 13, 14, 15, having children. And they think, well, that's socially acceptable. But if a child, if a girl of 13, if they want to, they want, they should be married, they know, no, no, that's very wrong. Anyway, they're having children. But if they should be married at that age, no, 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 that is wrong. They should, so they end up being mothers at age 13. But the Vedic culture is they should be married before that age and then you have children. Not that you, you have children and then maybe you marry someone. And then you have one child by one husband, another child by another husband, another child by another husband. And the children don't, they don't, even, they don't even know who their father is. Someone, if you can catch them, they're sending alimony, that's all. And they consider that this, this is the advanced society. Now we're making progress. And what progress? I mean, even the animals, they're not so degraded. So you may think, well, isn't it? We, we thought we'd come and hear something about Krishna playing his flute. So yes, let's go to Krishna and be called by Krishna playing his flute. But if we're called by this demoniac civilization, then we won't hear Krishna's flute playing. We won't be hearing that. And we may think, well, well, we can just take the good things of this modern society. But what are the good things? The good thing, the so-called good things, they don't come without strings attached. We may think, I'll get a very good job and I'll work and I'll earn money and I'll be good. But cannot prevent at least your children being influenced by that. TV, friends at school, they see young girls and boys going out, girlfriend, boyfriend, 12-year-old girl having a child or abortion. They think, well, why... You know, why not me too? Why can't I be free like them? And they complain that why this, uh, this repressive Vedic culture in which women are not free. Free means free what? Free to, uh, have sex with any man you like. That's what's the use of such freedom? That's degraded. That means uh, that you, first thing, the, the children born of such illicit unions, they must be degraded in consciousness and those children will cause so much problem to the world. They themselves will be degraded. 
you're wondering why there's uh, there's so many problems in society. The problems of society are caused by this demoniac outlook on uh, outlook on life that we should simply enjoy our senses as much as possible, and the main enjoyment is sex. Among cultured Indians, we're not supposed to discuss this publicly. There's a there's a convention, but this Krishna is talking. You want to hear Bhagavad? You want to hear about Krishna? This is what Krishna is saying. We have in Bhagavatam also Nunang Pramatakuratevi Karma Yadindriya Pritiya Apinoti Nasadumanya Yata Atmanoya Masanna Piklesha da Asadeha. This is Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam isn't only Krishna playing on his flute. You read that. That that comes in the tenth canto. Before that you go through the other cantos. Here we find fifth canto. Rishabdev says that certainly persons are insane who perform sinful activities which cause them to get another body, which is simply the cause of suffering after suffering after suffering. So if we think that yeah, we'll take the nice things of material life and we'll take the nice things of spiritual life. We like we like the nice things and we like to hear about Krishna playing on his flute, but we don't like to hear Namangdushkriti no murha. That's that's not really my taste. I'll perform bhakti according to my own taste. Shwavidvara Hoshta Karai, Sangstuta Purusha Poshahu. Yeah, men who are like hogs, dogs, camels and asses praise those who do not praise Krishna. There's so many verses throughout Bhagavatam. Shukadev Goswami, what does he first say to Maharaj? His Nidriya Hriyate Naktam Vyavayena Chavavayaha. That Divachate Hayarajan Kutumba Baranenava. That persons who are persons who are blind to the knowledge of the self who are simply interested in enjoying uh, sex life in their family and they have respectable dynasties. We are from a respectable family and this, these are my parents and my grandparents and, and we're all murhas and naradhamas and we're blind to the science of self-realization. Such persons very dutifully spend their daytime maintaining their families and at night sleeping and indulging in sex life. This is Bhagavatam. Sorry if you don't like it, but it's not meant for your sense gratification. It's meant for your purification. And this is part of purification, to hear all these things. So, uh, to understand this is required. If we think that I'll have a nice material life and a nice spiritual life, and I, I like I, I like this part, I don't like that part, but then we'll be victimized. If we're thinking only what I like, I like to hear about Krishna and I don't like to hear this, we'll be victimized. If we're on the platform of thinking what I like, then we never entered into spiritual life anyway. We should come to the platform of what is actually beneficial. How Bhagavatam is spoken? The sages at Naimisharanya, well, there was Parikshit Maharaj. Actually, Bhagavatam we find in different stages that, that, um, Narada was questioning Brahma, and then, then uh, no, even Brahma was asked, questioning, and the answer came from Bhagavan. Ahameva, Ahameva. Then Narada questioning Brahma. Then Parikshit Maharaj wanted to know what is the 
duty of every human being, specifically of one who is about to die. And then the sages at Naimesh Aranya, they were similarly uh, asking that what is the essence, what is the essential message of all these scriptures, and especially wanted to know what are those activities which are beneficial for all of human society. So these are the answers. We should understand, we should understand, instead of thinking what I like, we should think what is beneficial for me. Even in bhakti, if we simply try to find out that which I like, then that becomes a kind of sense gratification. Just like I was telling in class this morning, how that lady, she was thinking, I'm a great devotee, so I keep my Gopal, when I'm watching TV, then I keep Gopal next to me, and he watches with me. Because I like to watch TV, and I'm a great devotee, so Gopal must be liking also. And then one night I went out and left the window, I came back, I'm so sorry, I apologized to Gopal and gave him a nice cup of hot tea to warm him up. And then I took prasadam. And then it's all nonsense, nothing to do with bhakti, completely perverted ideas. So we should understand all these points. This is the fact that, that materialistic society is opaswarata parayana. It is dedicated to that which is opposite to our real self-interest. So we should understand all these points very clearly and very carefully and then we won't be victimized by all the bogus ideas that are floating around which drag us to hell. Just like this idea, don't be judgmental. Don't be judgmental means I, I'm a, I shall be a Mura Naradama and you shall respect me as a great person. You see, Prabhupada says, philosophers, administrators, scientists, respectable persons in society. Ravana, highly respected in society, but Mura, Asura, that's the actual description. So we shouldn't be enamored and thinking that any person who has any, uh, who, who doesn't have any attraction to Krishna, we shouldn't think that they're actually a great person. They may, they may be in the materialistic conventional sense, but Shvavidvara Hoshta Karai, the one dog is, all the dogs are considering, this is a very great dog. We should understand a great dog, but it's only a dog. Of course, in America, a dog is very prestigious. It's prestigious to have dog competition. Now in India also, they started. Dogs, yeah, keeping dogs and dog shows. And then they show the dog with the owner, and you're wondering, which which one won the prize? <laughs> they actually look the same, have you seen? When, when, when a man loves his dog so much, his face starts to look like a dog. And horses also. It means that their subtle body is, is affecting their gross body. They're in dog consciousness. They're preparing to take birth next life as a dog. You know this KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Colonel Sanders, you must have seen? Did it ever strike you that Colonel Sanders looks like a certain kind of bird? What's that called? Chicken. <laughs> Where is Colonel Sanders now? He's, in someone's throat. He has to be... The chickens are going on being killed. His, even after his death, his karma, he's getting more... Millions and billions of chickens 
And Colonel Sanders has to become a chicken again and again and again. This is the fact. These are facts. When we state like this, it sounds funny, but actually it's not funny at all. What about the, the great pundit who was first prime minister of India? Yeah, I didn't want to say the name, but anyway, it's pretty obvious. I didn't say it. Well, there was one astrologer, this was brought to Prabhupada's attention, that at this time, at that time, there was one man in Sweden who had two dogs. And one was previously Prime Minister of India. His name was Mero. Because it's a dog's name. Is it? In Germany? Is it? Really? Oh, just like in this, you were there when Prabhupada said that, yeah. Prabhupada knew everything, actually. So, uh, now he's not there. He must have left that body by now, because dogs only live, what, 15 years maximum? So, we don't know where he is now, but it's not auspicious. Highly lauded person. In the Indian history books, you'll find such a great... Of course, it depends which state you're in. If it's a BJP-ruled state... They rewrite the history books. <laughs> they could understand that actually he was an enemy of Indian culture. We're not much concerned with politics, but this is just giving an example. He, so many statements. He was, the, the temples of modern India will be the factories. His idea. that He promoted this idea that India has had too much religion. India is backward because of her religion. Now we need technology. And so they're very proud. We have developed India so much. But how much India has lost her culture, that great culture which India should have given to the world. Bhagavad Gita as it is. But only one Indian, Prabhupada sometimes describes himself as an Indian in this context, although he's not an Indian, Prabhupada has got nothing to do with anything in this world out of his kindness he comes to this world, but we should never think of Prabhupada as being an Indian or a Bengali or a product of 19th century Bengali thought or any such idea. Prabhupada is directly coming from Krishna. So Prabhupada used to say, I am one Indian. Bharata Bhumite Hoilo Manusha Janma Janma Shata Kari Karopara Upaka. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's order is that every Indian should preach Krishna consciousness all over the world. Priti Vite Ache Jotanagradi Gram Sabhatrapacha Hoibe Moranam. So Prabhupada said, I'm one Indian. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told every Indian to preach Krishna consciousness all over the world. If they had done it, then how much the world would have been benefited? And how much India would have been glorified? People would have been so much grateful for giving this knowledge. But because they have failed to give this knowledge, which is the, which is the duty of every of any Indian who actually wants to be proud of being Indian, should be proud of the great cultural heritage, not the factories, which are, however great the factories are, they're not, they're not as good as in the West by any means. They're, they're, we're proud, we have Sri Harikota, we're, we're firing rockets, we in at uh, Shiva, Shiva Kasi, they make little rockets, and in Sri Harikota, they make bigger rockets. It's all child's game, that's all. It's actually the same thing, isn't it? 
the Shiva Kasi rocket goes up, it comes down. And Sri Hari Koda, it's a little bigger, that's all. It's the same basic technology. You put a big fire underneath and it goes up. And then we think this is advanced technology. Cape Kennedy, the same thing. It's just a big firework, that's all. So they're proud of this. But the real thing to be proud of, Vyasadeva, Krishna, Prabhupada, all the Acharyas. And Indians don't care. Or they think, oh, Krishna, Krishna will give us blessings that we can imitate the Americans. And that's not Krishna's blessings. Krishna's blessings means to understand how much degraded is the materialistic civilization, how much we should take shelter of Krishna's instructions in Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam. One thing very good in modern... Actually, there are many things good. Misused for printing pornography, but for printing Prabhupada's books, very good. Any tree, any jiva inside a tree that becomes part of the paper for printing Prabhupada's books is highly benefited. But any jiva that's in a tree that's used for pornography, that's violence to cut trees for such a purpose. So th this technology is can be utilized for spreading Krishna consciousness. Just like Prabhupada was once asked that, well, if you're so spiritual, then you say all this technology is useless, then why are you flying in the airplane? Prabhupada said the airplane is useless, but because I am using it, therefore it's become useful. <laughs> no, otherwise it's useless. Flying here and there, people are flying from New York to London to see what London is like, and people are flying from London to New York to see what New York is like. And it's the same, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending in both places. Only New York has very high buildings, and London not so high. And New York has the Hudson River, and London has the Thames River. And you can go and take a photo. This is a photo of me in front of the River Thames. And that costs you $3,000 for your holiday minimum. Take a, You can go to the Hudson and take a photo also, but they're thinking, this is wonderful. We could we flew around the world and saw this place and saw that place and came back and showed in our photo album, this is me in, this is me spoiling my human life in Paris. This is me spoiling my human form of life in Madrid. This is me spoiling my human form of life in London. They have no idea. No idea how they, what is the purpose of life. So, you please kindly, you take these books and distribute them here. At least do this much, having come here. Now you, by Prabhupada's mercy, you've understood to some extent what is the importance of Krishna consciousness. So take these books, distribute them, try to help these people. Don't think that you are being helped by them. That may be true on the material platform, but it is your, that you have this knowledge, it is your duty to distribute this to others. Prabhupada took so much trouble to distribute this knowledge. So you have to do, you should do so also. If we're actually followers of Srila Prabhupada, we shouldn't think, oh, this is very nice. I will live very nicely. I will chant Hare Krishna. We have to, if we take even one millionth the trouble that Prabhupada took 
to spread Krishna consciousness. If we if we are fortunate enough to come to that level, then we can start to be considered actual followers of Srila Prabhupada, who was so much concerned. He was writing these books, working so hard, traveling around the world, managing, overseeing the expansion of his movement. And at night, when everyone was sleeping, he was up working on these books. Why? So that we could benefit and we can distribute them to others. So please, take advantage and read these books also. You all please read. You have to read proper. Says Lord, we have to, you have to do your family duties and work duties and temple duties and distribute books and read the books. All these things have to be done. So please do it. And I'll finish the lecture here. It's gone on a little time, and we all have to get up in the morning again. Prithupabhu, please say something from your years of experience in preaching Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada also said that this statement is a well-known statement in India. Satyam bruyat priyam bruyat ma bruyat apriyam That one should speak the truth and one should speak pleasingly and one should not speak an unpleasant truth. And Prabhupada said that applies on the material platform. But if we're to give people the actual knowledge which they require, then they they for their actual benefit, then we may have to speak an unpleasant truth. Just like the doctor may not like to tell someone you have a terminal disease, because it's not going to help them anyway. Uh, anyway, they're going to die. So you don't tell them. But we there's no in spiritual understanding that con- the condition is not terminal. Everyone can be benefited, but first of all, we have to understand we're sick. So the unpleasant truth should be spoken. In the words of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswatthakur, the the duty of the sadhu is to speak the clear truth in the most unequivocal manner, as straightforwardly as possible. No icing, no tinsel, no euphemistic beating around the bush. Say it straightforwardly. Namang Dushkutino Murha Prapadyante Naradhama. This idea, Mahabhuya Apriya Satyam, Satyam Apriyam, Satyam Apriyam. But actually, we should understand that that which is actually Satya is always Priya. And if we perceive Satya as being Apriya, the truth as being non dear or not nice, that is because we are on the platform of asatya. We are on the platform of falseness. We are rascals. And when someone says you are a rascal, we don't like it because we are rascals. <laughs> but actually satya is always satyam shivam sundaram. That which is satya is always auspicious and beautiful. But because we, uh, we don't like satya, therefore we take that which is asatya to be satya. Hmm? Ahankare mattahaya nittai pada prasharya ashatteri shatta karimani Forgetting nityananda. We, due to our false ego of thinking Ishvara hamaham bhogi I am the controller, I am the enjoyer. Krishna is not. Because of this, then we take that which is not true to be true and that which is true to be untrue. 
and if we are told what is the actual truth, because we are rascals, demons, etc., we uh, we become upset and we say this. You should not say this. If anyone protests, they're, 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 why are you calling us rascal? The fact that you are protesting is proof that you are a rascal. <laughs> this itself is the proof. All right, let us finish there with remembrance of Krishna's sweetly playing his flute, <laughs> calling the gopis who are not rascals, demons who are fit to be called by Krishna's flute because they have no motive other than to satisfy Krishna. That is Gopi Bhav. What's this you're looking up? Which one? It says that Krishna is Greatest linguist, that's what it was. Uh-huh. That one, you know. And he's that's speaking very sweet. It's a verse, actually, he just had. Uh-huh. And uh, there is it. Krishna is a linguist of all wonderful languages. This is, yeah, this, yeah. He is. Uh, Krishna is truthful. And very. What is this? I can't read. I can't. My, yeah, my eyes don't work. All right, let's read it out in the Sanskrit. And this is from. Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu appears in Madhya Leela of Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. Vividha Dhuta Bhasha Vid Satya Vakya Priyang Vadaha Vadaha Priyang Vadaha Yeah, okay. Vavaduka Supandityo Bhutiman Patibhandita Krishna is the linguist of all wonderful languages. He is a truthful and very pleasing speaker. He is expert in speaking and he is a very wise, learned scholar and a genius. So Hare Krishna, let's finish here for now.